strife and discontentment, I cast my every care on the Lord. No matter what obsession, pain or deep depression, I'm standing on the Trusting in my Savior day by day. And close is our relation, firm is its foundation. So on this solid rock I'll stay. I'm standing on the rock, on the rock, on the rock of ages. From every storm, from all the storms, from that rages. Rich in love, I'm rich, but not from Satan's wages. I'm standing on the solid rock. I'm standing on the solid rock. Well, I hope you're on the solid rock. Amen. We all need to be on that. The Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. Again, we're still dealing... In our Bible Truth series, we're still talking about the adversary, the devil, and we're addressing some issues along the way. Today, we're going to go ahead and we're going to kind of jump into something else. Uh, we've been talking a lot about, we've spoken about his origin, his personality, and his character. And today, we want to talk about some of his activities. And uh, so we're going to take a few moments and look at that today. But uh, I want to just kick this thing off and just say that uh, obviously we don't want to give any unnecessary airtime to the devil. That's not our goal. It's not what we want to see accomplished. We, uh, he gets enough of that in the world. Um, I, I'm amazed uh, what's been going on lately with uh, uh, the Church of Satan and some of the other stuff that's been taking place in our country. It's sad. It's very alarming. Uh, I guess even at the Grammys there was a performance where they were acting like they were, I don't know, from from the, the abyss, uh, so to speak. I mean, I've heard that stuff. I saw an article on it today. It's sad how people are trying to elevate the things of Satan and uh, the devil. And the truth is, is that they're no longer as shocking as they used to be because there's so much, uh, so much uh, that's amiss in our, our world today, so many evil, sorely wicked things taking place that it's almost we're getting desensitized to some of this stuff. And uh, I, as a believer, my, it's, it's shocking in one regard, but then again, it's also inevitable based on the Word of God. So we understand that. That's just the direction things are going to go as the return of the Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. 
uh, we can expect, uh, obviously, as we'll mention even today, uh, you know, Satan's uh, uh, power almost in a sense seeming to grow, although he's always had it. It's just that it'll appear that way. Well, anyway, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 through 10, the Bible says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. It's interesting, right there in Revelation chapter 12, we have four titles of the devil right there. He's called the great dragon, he's the old serpent, he's the devil, and he's Satan. Right there, you got four of his titles right there, uh, his, his names, if you will. He, he deceiveth the whole world. It says he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. The devil's accusing us all the time before God, trying to make sure that God knows we're not everything we ought to be. We think uh, basically of, uh, we can't help but think of Job, you know, and how the devil obviously went before God there and, and, and Job and said, listen, what about Job? You know, the only reason he serves you is because, the only reason he loves you is because, the only reason he uh, gives you the time of day is because, and that's the accuser again. That's what the devil does. The question is, why do we serve him? Why, why are we involved in ministry? Why have we chosen uh, to do what we do? Is there a reason outside of the fact that God is just God and he deserves our uh, honor, the glory, and just uh, ourselves? Or is there an ulterior motive? Hopefully there's not. Hopefully it's pure motive. Nonetheless, we see the devil. And so we, we recognize that we don't focus on the devil just to bring attention to him. We're focusing on him right now because we want to understand what he's about a little bit, learn more about him so that we can better defend ourselves against him as well as go on the offensive and uh, ultimately get the advantage instead of giving him the advantage. All right, so nonetheless, he was a created being. We know that he was an exalted angel, if you will, a, a, a cherubim, and um, uh, the, the, we, we see that. Lucifer became proud and he rebelled against God, and obviously we're in a big mess today, uh, and uh, he's a big part of that. So, again, we address the origin, personality, and character. We want to start talking now about his activities. So let's go ahead, have a quick word of prayer, and let's try to learn what we can about the activities of Satan. Father, we come to you. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to gather in your house. I do pray now. I ask to hedge of protection about each and every one as we unmask the devil, as we begin to tear away some of the layers and expose him for who and what he really is. I pray, dear God, you would, again, protect us, our church, our church family, our families, and Lord, just, again, put a hedge about us. We need you. We do pray, however, Lord, that you would use this to better equip us and enable us, Lord, to better defend ourselves as well as better um, reach the world with the gospel by going on the offensive. We need you. We can't do this without you. I pray that you'd fill me. May you fill me with your Holy Ghost. Lord, I'm asking now that you would just again fill every listening ear. And Lord, may we hear with spiritual ears. Instruct us that we might be inspired to be better for you. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so uh, Satan's activities. Let's go ahead and just list a few of them. Number one, opposing God's plan for the ages. Turn, if you would, to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. You should be over there already. Notice what it says. 
beginning in verse um, 1. The Bible says there, it says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with sun, with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. <clears throat> and she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. Heads, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to cast them to the earth, and was uh, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, and for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness, where she had a place prepared of God, that they should Feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Sound familiar? <laughs> And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. read just a little bit more there, but we're seeing here in this particular passage the devil who is opposing God's plan for the ages. I mean, in this particular passage, it points out how Satan had revolted in heaven and captured the affections of at least one-third of the angelic host. Oh, he's thwarting God's efforts or his plans for the ages. We're reminded here as well how he sought the life of Messiah or the Lord Jesus Christ by killing all the male children two years and under. We see that here in the passage. I know it's written in uh, John, uh, John's day, 90 A.D. approximately, but he's looking back now and it's He's looking at the future and he's seeing the same dragon, the devil, who sought the life of the Christ child, is now seeking the life of other Jewish children at this point. Again, during the tribulation, the devil will do his best to rid the world of every Jew. And he will again battle God in the heavenlies and be cast down to the earth. And so we see this battle taking place again. This constant warfare between God and the devil, a battle that forever has raged, ever since the fall of, of, of Lucifer, we see that there's been a battle taking place. Lucifer trying to usurp the authority of God and ultimately reign in his place, and God himself continuing to address that issue and war back 
And boy, you say, well, why doesn't God just wipe him out completely? Well, God has a purpose and a plan. And to be honest with you, our ability to recognize and understand what that is is limited based on our finite minds. There's no way that you and I can see the way God sees or understand the way he understands. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And they are far beyond us. And as we can go ahead and make excuse all day and say, well, why would God permit this? Why does he permit that? If he's really God and he's all powerful, then why doesn't he just stop all this evil and wickedness in the world? Uh, sadly enough, if you got any lost brothers or sisters, you got any lost family or friends, if he stopped it right now, they'd all burn in hell. You better thank God that he's given us a little more time to reach our family and friends. That's called grace, my friend. That's grace. And you know what? We can go ahead all day long and talk about, well, he should just... Well, you know what? If he'd have done that a few years back, we would be the ones in hell. So I don't know. I mean, you figure it out. I, I, I'm just going to do my best to trust the Lord. He's big enough to take care of the problems. He does have a plan. He has a purpose in everything he does. And the devil is always opposing that plan and always trying to thwart it and always trying to wreck and ruin that plan. And that's why we see all the chaos and the confusion that we do in the world in which we live. Whatever God does and plans, Satan hates it. And he does everything he can to oppose it. And he's been doing that ever since the fall. We've seen that with Adam and Eve. We see the temptation of Eve and the fall of mankind. That's the devil trying to wreck and ruin a relationship between a man and wife. That's a, the devil trying to wreck and ruin what God intended for the home and the family. That's a, that's a, that is ultimately even a, 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 a devil that's seeking to wreck and ruin God's plan and purpose for the people that he created. The flood, we think about that. I mean, we think, well, man, it's, uh, you know, things should be going pretty well here. It's pretty early on in the history of the world. Unfortunately, the devil gets in there as well. And before we know it, the earth is filled with violence and evil. And God says, enough's enough. I repent that I even created mankind. Man, the devil is doing a bang-up job, wrecking, ruining God's plan. We think about the Tower of Babel after the flood. You would think that after that flood that Noah and his family and their descendants would truly just kind of gravitate to God, but instead we find that they, they're in a mess again. And now this time we, we see them, although they've been instructed to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, instead they're of one language and one speech, seeking to reach heaven and to reach God without, or actually to reach heaven without God. Human ingenuity. Human effort replaced God. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Then there's the worship of God. He intended that everyone fall before him. Everyone worship him. And the devil wrecks and ruins all of that. And there we have idolatry all abounding throughout our world. Marriages. I mean, God intended marriage to be a sacred thing and a wonderful thing. And yet the devil has once again wrecked and ruined it, has sought to truly destroy what God intended to be a glorious thing on earth. The home itself, every aspect of God's plan, his purpose, the devil is always trying to ruin it. So what's his activities? He opposes God's plan for the ages. And we see that. Number two, he is, he's opposing God's people. Not just God's plan, but God's people. Imagine that. 
I mean, in the Old Testament, turn, if you would, to Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. Zechariah, I'm going to really give you a good one there, right? You're like, oh boy. I see some of you just zipping right on over there. And then, and then there's about 99% that aren't. No, I'm teasing. Zechariah, man, that's a small book, isn't it? That's not too big. It's not too small either compared. There's a few of them a lot smaller, right? But anyway, Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. And he shewed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Now what we're going to see in Zechariah in this particular passage along with that chapter is that we've got a priest here and, and of course uh, Satan's opposing that particular priest. And uh, we're going to see that ultimately the priest isn't dressed too, too friendly. He's looking pretty rough. And, and, and what we realize is that you and I can never reach heaven on our own and, or in our own merit. And, and, and I don't want to get into that passage too much, but we're seeing the grace of God at work here in chapter 3 of Zechariah. But in this particular case, we're seeing that he is opposing God's people. Again, he says that this priest, Joshua, the high priest, is standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing in his right hand to resist him. So, so I mean, he's there to resist him. And, you know, that's the Old Testament. But wait, what about the New Testament? Well, you probably know the passage already, and you could even quote it, many of you. But remember, you've heard this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Man, I mean to tell you, he is opposing, he is resisting. He is called our adversary. One of the reasons why the service of God is so difficult and why it's so hard to to be consistent and constant in the, the work of God is because Satan is aggressively opposing God's people. You say, I was doing good till I decided to start serving the Lord. Then everything started falling apart. Yeah, well, you're on the right team then. You're doing the right thing. You're on the right side. Matter of fact, God must not be happy. Uh, the God of this world must not be happy with you right now. And he's opposing because you're obviously doing something that is, is going to uh, possibly wreck and ruin him, his reputation, or his purpose and plan. And so he is not happy because he's going to oppose you now. Well, you know what? You serve a God. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And you know what? I know that times aren't always easy and sometimes it gets difficult serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, we have the Lord and we have the Holy Spirit and we don't have to worry about those things. We can trust God with them. He'll meet our needs along the way. Too many times we're worried about things that we don't need to worry about and God says, listen, I got you covered. I got your back. But boy, the devil's going to fight you. He especially targets those who are leaders or those who are very zealous in the work of God. I mean, he's going to go after them. Why? Because he, doesn't, he wants to thwart their efforts. Even as he opposes the Lord and his plan, he knows that they're a big piece of that plan, and so is every believer that has put their foot or put their shoulder to the work. Boy, he's going to try to oppose you as well. His opposition has been constant from the fall till today. And it will continue to be consistent. The child of God can rest assured of one thing. The devil's going to stand against you if you're trying to accomplish anything for the Father. 
That's just the way it is. You say, well, if that's the case, I'm not going to do nothing. Well, you know, there's another day coming, an eternity that awaits us. And man, I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go in empty-handed. I want to have something to cast at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about those rewards that we can have, and we'll have the privilege and the opportunity to say, Lord, it's all you. Boy, I don't know about you, but I'd like to have a few things to carry to the throne and cast at his feet. So why would the devil do all that? Why would he oppose us so vehemently? We've already mentioned it a little, but again, he's determined to thwart God's plan and purpose, as we already mentioned. But you know what? Another thing I think, he knows the best way to hurt the heavenly father is by harming his children. You know, any parent knows that there's very little that hurts or gets to you as much as when you see your child suffering. You can handle a lot of things, but boy, to watch your children suffer is something that just, I mean, it strikes a chord deep within. It's hard to, it's hard to handle. Boy, I think the God of this world, the devil, he, he's going to try to hurt the Heavenly Father all he can. And I believe sometimes he goes after God's children because he wants the Lord to hurt. But we are still on the winning side. We are definitely on the winning side. So we see two things so far. We've noted that opposing God's plan for the ages, that's one of his activities. He opposes God's people. And then let's, let's talk about one more with opposing or opposition. He opposes or uh, seeks to hinder or to corrupt the work of the gospel itself. Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 4, verse 15. In Mark chapter 4, verse 15, we're introduced to the parable of the sower. We know that he is sowing seed and it falls on certain types of ground. Well, in this particular case, Mark chapter 4, verse 15, notice what the Bible says Satan does. Mark chapter 4, verse 15. And these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. So the seed's going out and it's, it's landing on the ground or in the heart of the person and Satan comes immediately and snatches it and takes it away, that which was sown in the heart. So as the gospel goes out, Satan works diligently to keep it from hitting its target. He, he really works hard uh, um, to try to gather it up, if you will, before it takes root in the soil of the heart. And one way it keeps the gospel from landing on the bullseye is distraction. You know, it never fails when you're witnessing to somebody. Satan kind of just seeks to distract. You ever notice that? I mean, a dog gets to barking. A child starts to cry. A phone starts to ring. Somebody comes home right at a very inopportune time or a critical juncture in the presentation. You ever notice that? But you know, that's true in the church as well. You know, the sound system fails. A church, a child acts up in the service that maybe wasn't taken to the nursery or something. Or folks move during the altar call. The devil uses these kind of things to distract, to keep the Word of God from really landing where it's supposed to land and taking root in the heart of people. God instructs us to do everything 
decently and in order. That's what he calls us to do. He tells us to do that. And as a result, we have ushers here. We have an order of service. We have nurseries. We have other structure in place. Why do we do that? We're trying to eliminate and to avoid as much distraction as possible. Why would we aid the devil in distracting? Why, why would we make it easy for him? Listen, I believe a nursery is so valuable, and although it's extremely difficult to, to field, we, we could use 10 nursery workers tonight. We could use 10 nursery workers right now. But even though we don't have a staffed nursery like we should, we wish we had more. We have ladies that are willing to put in even overtime, so to speak. They're willing to work even extra. Why? Because of the necessity, the absolute necessity of eliminating distraction in a service. Because the devil will use that to keep people from receiving the gospel. Put a baby in the second or third row, facing that way. And that's how it ends up. Somebody's holding the baby. And every single mother especially is focused on the baby. Right? Even us guys sometimes, we're like, hey, we're hoping they'll smile at us. Because if they do, they have just affirmed our value. We are somebody special. We are loved. But it's funny, isn't it? I mean, how quickly we can be distracted. And so we put these things in place to protect, to help. I remember being in Mexico many, many, many years ago. It seemed as if just when the preaching was about to impact the audience, you could just feel that the message was coming kind of to a climax, that ultimately the Word of God was going to just kind of, just like, like a, uh, almost like a, um, a heat-seeking missile, find the hearts of people and just kind of just lodge itself in their hearts. And all of a sudden, a storm would arise. I mean, the winds would pick up, the rain would beat so violently on the tin roof that you couldn't hear a thing. But can I tell you that God is bigger than Satan? And I can say for sure that God answers prayer and the rain would stop and the gospel would be received. God would hear those cries and say, Lord, take away the storm now so that the heart can be reached with the gospel. Amazing to watch God do miracles. Satan will also attack the messenger or place roadblocks in the way of the gospel. From the scripture we read that Paul was hindered by Satan. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. We had all intentions of coming on over and seeing you folks and fellowshipping and sharing the gospel and the truth of the word of God and building up the saints. But you know who hindered us? The devil. He kept us away. Boy, he's good at that. We used to, there was a song years ago, and some of you remember it, I'm sure, but it, it was, I mean, it's old. One of them old quartet songs. 
Excuses, excuses, you hear them every day. And he goes on talking about them and, you know, you know and, and talks about how the devil will use excuses to keep you out of church and to keep you from serving the Lord and all of those things. And, man, I mean to tell you, it was, it was some kind of song. And then the bass singer would always say, blow that poor kid's nose. <laughs> I don't have no idea what he said before that, but that's the part I remember. They, oh, the whole family stayed home just to blow that poor kid's nose. Yeah, the whole family stayed home. You know, the devil got them thinking, man, that's what it is. You know, the whole family's got to stay home, take care of the sick kid. Okay. Excuses, right? The devil's good at that. He'll hinder us. But Satan hates the gospel. And he hates its liberating effect on the lives of mankind. He is determined to oppose, to hinder, and corrupt the work and word of the gospel. Man. Then there's number four. Let's see if we can get through this one real quickly. And to do this, I'm going to ask, I'm going to, I'm going to read through some things quickly, but he works miracles. He works miracles. You say, the devil? Yeah, oh, sure does. He sure does. Let me just, I'll tell you what, I'm going to have you turn to Revelation 13. Would you do that? Revelation 13 again. I'm going to read in Matthew 24, 24, while you're turning to Revelation 13. The Bible says, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall, shall shew great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. As you've turned to Revelation 13, I was just reading Matthew 24, 24, which is in the same setting. It's the tribulation. And the emphasis, again, is here on this, these, uh, that, that these false Christs will arise, these false prophets. They're going to exhibit great signs and wonders. Where do you think that power comes from? It comes from Satan. He says if it were possible, they'd even deceive the very elect. It's talking about the, the Jewish remnant, and it's talking about those that believe in the tribulation period. Revelation 13, verse 11. Let's look there together now. And behold, another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he, goeth, and he, he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. That sounds like Elijah. Isn't that crazy? I mean, where's that power coming from? Who's empowering this person to be able to bring fire down out of heaven? You say, well, ah, that's probably, that's, that's, that's probably a, a laser beam. Okay, maybe it's a laser beam. I don't know. But what I do know is it's fire out of heaven, the Bible says, and God's done that before. So you know who the great imitator is, right? The devil. So it wouldn't surprise me if he imitated what Elijah did all those years ago. He'd be like, the joke's on you now, Christians. The joke's on you, Jew Jewish people. Because when Elijah made a fool out of me and my idols in that day, when we cried out for our God, uh, Molech, uh, no, wait, which one was it? Which was the God? Baal, we cried out to Baal, thank you. We cried out to Baal to, to send fire down and lick up that water and to, to burn that sacrifice. It didn't happen. 
And then old Elijah shows up and does it. And man, I tell you what, made us look like a bunch of fools. But who's looking like a fool now? We're calling the fire down. We're the real deal. Okay, where's that power coming from? Revelation 16, verse 13 says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come up out of the mouth of the dragon. Isn't that an interesting sight? All this crazy stuff that you see in Hollywood that represents the devil and all the crazy stuff that, that you've seen on, you know, maybe, I don't know, I hope you haven't watched too much of that mess. But, uh, man, this stuff, this stuff is biblical. <laughs> they, they, they like to borrow from the Bible, if you will. And I'll tell you what, the Bible, it, it doesn't paint a very pretty picture when it comes to Satan comes to sinfulness and all of that mess. But notice here, these frogs are coming out of the mouth of the dragon. Who's that? The devil. And out of the mouth of the beast, uh, that, that's the Antichrist. Now the mouth of the false prophet, the one who's uh, touting him and lifting him up. For they are the spirits of, of the devil, of devils, working what? Miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle of, that great, uh, of the battle of the great day of, of God Almighty. So it's talking about, he's, they're going to have all these abilities to do these, quote, miracles, if you will, or appear to be at least miracles. People will believe them to be miracles. And they're going to end up convincing people to gather on their side to fight against God. Amazing. Nobody's ever believed a false message. Not in America. We always have the truth here. Right? The truth is big on our agenda. I'm going to tell you something. More and more, it's obvious to me, and I'm sure to you, how the devil's able to do all this stuff. I mean, it used to be we thought it would be impossible. Somebody show up on the scene and automatically be risen up to fame and, and to be put in a position of a world leader, to have a one world currency, one world government, one world religion, one world this. Man, that, how's that going to happen? Uh, well, with our communication abilities and capabilities, with the connect, all connectivity of the world that we're in, we see it happening before our very eyes. We watch how, I am so fed up. You go ahead and be happy about it if you want. I'm so fed up about reading about articles of things that happened in the UK. I get on my little news feed and I start reading and somebody's been injured or abused or taken advantage of or situation and I realize it's not even in my nation. Why are they doing that? I can't stand it. Does, I mean, I can't even, I couldn't even, I couldn't even drive there. I'd have to get on an airplane. I'd have to take a boat. You say, what's the point? The point is, is that they're utilizing news from around the world to affect how we view our nation, our world, and our situation where we live today. Are you kidding me? Man, manipulative, Right? Boy, I'll tell you, the Antichrist will use that to a T. He is going to be good at it. He's going to be a silver-tongued leader, and he's going to woo them in, and then he's going to go after them. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, turn there. We're talking about the devil. Now, we, we know that in the tribulation period that we see the, those, those wonders, we see as he said, even miracles or what appear to be miracles taking place. We even see that he appears to have received a deadly wound and then he resurrects. 
uh, the Antichrist does midway in the tribulation period. Wow, I mean, miracles, crazy stuff, supernatural power. But that's not just during the tribulation period. We're going to see that it's also happened. Um, I jumped ahead of myself. I, I didn't jump ahead of myself. I'm still back there. But notice, even him who's coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, 2 Thessalonians 2.9. Okay, I kind of I regressed a little bit. 2 Thessalonians 2.9, even him who's coming is after the working of Satan, talking about Antichrist, with all power and signs and lying wonders. But we're going to see that this demonic activity is going to increase as we approach the coming of Christ. But Satan's power to perform miracles was, isn't limited to that time period only. And you say, well, okay, prove to me it's not. Okay, just real quickly, if we would go back in the book of Exodus and we'd read about the magicians in Egypt who opposed Moses. You know, it's interesting what we find. Turn to Exodus chapter 8, verse 18. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of jump to that. You, you get there, Exodus chapter 8, verse 18. But what we're going to see, if you would take the time to read chapter 8, is you're going to see that, remember when God sent Moses to Egypt, and he said, you take that rod with you, and if they, they, don't, they don't believe that I sent you, what do you do with it? You cast it down. What's it going to do? Turn into a serpent. Watch now. The truth is, is that if you throw that rod down there, and he did, the rod goes down, it turns into a serpent. What did the magicians do? They threw theirs down, and they turned into what? Serpents. Now, of course, Moses's ate theirs up, but they still turned into serpents. Then, they, then he turns water to blood. Guess what the magicians did? They turned water to blood. Or at least it appeared that way to people. They were convinced of it. And then they appeared to bring frogs up out of the river just like Moses did. But the power of Satan may be seen in imitation. And we see it being imitated. He's imitating those plagues. And he is an amazing counterfeiter. And he does have great power. Still, the scripture clearly teaches that Satan's power is limited. Look here, Exodus 8, 18. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice. They were going to do that when he brought forth the lice too. Oh, okay, Okay, Pharaoh, we're going to bring forth lice too to prove that it's not that big a deal after all. But they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. They could not. They could not do that. And you know they could not imitate the next ones as well. They were limited in their power. However, they had power. And matter of fact, they had power to do what we would say were miracles. We would say Moses did miracles. And the people of Egypt would have said, Ben, our magicians can do miracles. Look what they did. And you say, was that real? Was it not real? Was it just an imitation? Was it like sleight of hand? What was it? I don't know, 100%, but what it sure seems to me is that Satan does have some really supernatural powers or major powers, I should put it that way. He has power. And whether it appears to be happening for real or not, it is certainly believed to be real and it has the same impact. Whether, however you add it up, it comes up peanuts. And it's a mess. That was used to be an ad, but anyway, that's probably before your time. So, 
we have these miracles. So we have to be so careful. Let's be honest. Um, Miracles are not proof or great feats or acts are never proof of God's acceptance or of right. Be careful with that. Don't buy into that necessarily. You have to judge all of that mess as you filter it through the word of God. Why? Because the devil, he's going to come along with all of his imps and boy, they're going to be going crazy with this stuff. And I'm telling you, as we draw closer to the return of Christ, we're going to see more evidence of satanic power being exhibited and supernatural feats uh, appearing to take place. And boy, even if we're not careful, the saints will be duped into believing it. Okay, so we're going to close this out. But anyway, uh, we talk about his activities, opposing God's plan for the ages, uh, opposing God's people, opposing, hindering, and seeking to corrupt the work of the gospel, and then working miracles. Those are some of the activities of Satan. We have some others we'll address and discuss in the future, but for now, that's where it's at. So let's be careful that we keep our eye on the word of God and on the Lord Jesus Christ, because the devil is a deceiver and he is an imitator and he will be more than happy to get you and I off track. We got to stay on track. We got to stay with the word. Don't get off the word of God. Stay with the word of God. Stay with the Lord Jesus. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time we've had together in your word. Now, Lord, we just love you. We thank you for all you do for us. Now, Lord, as we seek to expose the devil and just uh, his, his activities, we pray, Lord, that we would be more aware of, his, uh, uh, of just how he operates and functions, that we would not be caught off guard. Lord, we just pray now, Father, for your leadership, and thank you for your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. We'll take just